You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. You are listening to Socks in the Basement live on the Podbean app. It is high noon, and I am ready to go. There's so much to talk about. Andy Mazur, play-by-play man, WGN Radio, joining us today on the show. Don Paul joining us on the show today, and your live calls on the show today. If you are new to the Podbean app, all you have to do is hit that guest calling button, or you could just type something in in the live chat. I'll read it. But let's have some fun today in a miserable week of White Sox baseball. Just an absolute miserable week of White Sox baseball. I have to tell you right now, what Frank Thomas said at the end of the postgame last night on television, I think resonates with every White Sox fan. I know there are people that'll sit there and try to defend Ricky Renteria, try to defend things that aren't being done in the lineup, try to defend what is going on with this team right now. But I defer to the World Series Championship Manager in Ozzie Guillen. I defer to the first ballot Hall of Famer, a guy who older guys will tell you reminded them of Ted Williams in the way that he approached at the plate. That guy. I defer to Steve Stone, who on Twitter the other night basically was saying Ricky completely screwed the pooch, bringing in Carlos Rodon with men all over the bases for his first appearance in like a month. And he'd only had about six or seven innings since Tommy John's surgery. And then a month off in between. And you had plenty of other options. Renteria keeps saying, put it on him. Yeah. Just, I mean, it's, it's like the guy who keeps screwing up in any kind of game who just keeps tapping himself going, my bad, my bad. Yeah, it is your bad. You suck. You know, I mean, like if you were playing pick up a ball, if you were, if you were playing anything, any sport in high school, anything like that, and you had a guy that constantly was screwing up going, my bad, my bad. You'd be like, get out of the game. You're terrible. And, and you know, I know that they made the postseason for the first time in 12 years, and I know it's all gravy, and I know I'm excited about it as, as much as anybody else, but this last week makes me wonder to myself, what would happen to this team if it was a full 162-game season? Would this team have gotten out to a hot start and then faded in the middle of the year? And would we have spent months questioning what was going on with the lineup? Months Wondering why Edwin Encarnacion continues to get pushed in there months. Wondering why Nomar Mazara is constantly out there. Is this just because they clinched? Or was, they, was it something where they were hot? And the moment that the manager had to make adjustments and had to make some moves and had to, to make some decisions, they were exposed. Uh, you know, we knew Luis Robert was going to get exposed at some point this year. But it's easier to be exposed if you don't have any protection around you. I've seen... Uh, a lot of beat reporters try to defend the fact that Robert has no protection. Like, protection doesn't matter. Protection matters. A hundred plus years of baseball shows you protection matters. The way that lineups have been crafted since the turn of the century shows you that protection matters. In, in 2005, when this team went on to win a World Series, they went in a swoon for a month. Ozzie Guillen, my dad still has the headline because he thought it was hilarious. The headline in the newspaper one day was, We suck. That was the direct quote from Ozzy. It was in like big black letters. We suck. They were falling out. They had a 10 game lead or something like that. And they were down to one. They had completely folded. It was just as bad as this. 
But in this case, they weren't going to make the postseason because it wasn't expanded playoffs. So the manager had to make a decision. What did he do? He dropped, he dropped one guy down in the lineup, Carl Everett, who he had started the year with. He elevated A.J. Pruszynski and then eventually elevated Jermaine Dye into the three spot. He juggled what guys were doing out there. He changed things that he was doing in game. He got his team going again. I'm so sick of people telling me a manager doesn't matter. Yes, this is fully and squarely on, on Rick Renteria. This past week is completely on him. Yeah, there's guys that aren't performing. But are you putting people in any kind of position to get themselves out of a funk? Are you doing anything other than just paint by numbers, go out there with basically the same lineup every time? I, I don't get what's going on. Ever since they clinched and they basically took off a day in Cincinnati on Friday, that was it. It was almost like the manager also told them all, like, ah, relax, we're in the playoffs now. And with a young team, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Don Paul's going to be joining us here in moments. We're going to get to Andy Mazer. We have a voicemail, and you can call that number 247-365-708-459-8406, 708-459-8406. And I grabbed a couple of them off the voicemail. I'm going to play one of them right now before we get to Don Paul. And remember, you guys can call in. You can jump in the message room. You can say whatever you want to. I don't care. You want to vent. You want to scream. You want to swear. It doesn't bother me at all. It's a podcast. Hey, guys. Team uh, from Lyle, that was the dumbest move I've ever seen in White Sox baseball in watching 50 years of watching White Sox baseball. Bringing Carlos Rodon in in that situation. The only thing I've seen dumber was Terry Bevington going out to the mound when he had nobody warming up in the bullpen on his second trip to the mound. That's the only dumber thing that I've seen. Pachuria has got to go. You know, and it's, I think the sentiment of an awful lot of White Sox fans, look, I get it. Sometimes you're, you like a guy. Ricky seems like a really nice guy. And we talked about it a lot on the show. We've given him a lot of credit for the clubhouse culture. We've given him a lot of credit for, for this team at least getting off to the hot start, for the way that veterans look out after the younger guys, for the way that, that guys act. But you know what? The message isn't all the way through. Jimmy Cordero throwing last night <laughs> at Wilson Contreras. That, that isn't what this team is supposed to be. This is a bat-flippy team. You can't hit that guy for flipping a bat. Rick Hines already made comments this morning on local radio, saying, you know what? We shouldn't be hitting anybody. Get the guy out. Get a few hits. Flip your own bats. I like that that seems to be company policy. Uh, But somebody needs to talk to Cordero about that because that shouldn't be happening. Right now, this is it. We always said we wanted to see Renteria under fire. Well, he's under fire right now. Show me something. Joining me on the phone line right now, he's been on the show before, a good friend of Sox in the Basement, and also originally from the hometown where Sox in the Basement is broadcast out of in Evergreen Park, Don Paul's on the line. How are you, Don? I am good, good. Everything is good. It's a sunny, beautiful day in Chicago. It's a rarity here. You know, the last time we talked to you, we didn't even know if there was going to be a season. The world was in turmoil. And now here we are. We know the White Sox are going into the postseason. And the world is still in turmoil. The world is still in turmoil, but there's <laughs> baseball. I think the world is going to be in turmoil right. for a long time. Yeah, I guess some time has passed. I've got, I think I've gotten used to the world being in turmoil, Don. I mean, what do you think, though, about this week of turmoil? It's been, a, it's been a crazy week for the White Sox. I mean, you're cruising along, and then just it's like you hit a brick wall. Uh, you're, you're a former player, of course. I mean, what, what is this like, and what's going on with this team? Gosh, it's yeah. I don't know what's going on recently, but it just seems like once they clinched to get into the postseason for the first time in years, all of a sudden uh, everybody's kind of uh, relaxed. It's all of a sudden become a 
a different unit again. I almost feel like you need to have uh, Dallas Keiko give these guys another speech and uh, get them going again because it seems like uh, almost a different mentality. It almost looks like anyway. Who knows? But it seems like a different mentality going on over there where they're, they've almost reached their goal and kind of uh, are kind of slowing up a little bit. So uh, we'll see. I'm sure they could turn around and, and get back on track easily as well too, though. So we'll see. You know, one of the things that we brought up was that after they clinched, they got through that very difficult series with Minnesota. And then last weekend, they go and play three against Cincinnati. But the team almost kind of did like an off day for a lot of the regular starters. Like, hey, congratulations, you clinched. Yeah. Some of these guys haven't gotten a day off. And then they're trying to set up their rotations so they're not using their best pitchers that weekend. They lose two out of three, and they enter the Cleveland series flat. Can you talk a little bit about can it have an effect on players? Like, can you lose the momentum because you're like, hey, let's get everybody a good day off. Let's get our pitching staff set up. But then all of a sudden you lose that thing that you had that got you to that point. Or should it be a day-to-day thing where baseball players should be able to take the field and be like, all right, it's a new day. Let's go win. It, it is tough because just like you're saying, when you got all that momentum going, you hate to have a, a day off or something to, to kind of break the momentum for you there. But on the other hand, it's it's really important to give guys a breather too, because at some point you can't just keep going, you know, full speed, full throttle all the way through. You're gonna have to have some kind of a breather in there, and it's that's where you take the breather after uh, after doing the clinching and they they got there. Um, so I think it's a it's a good thing that they did, and um, you know, hopefully that they can kind of regroup, regroup now. And, and like you said, they're just kind of get the rotation set up for the for this postseason. Um, you know, part of this too is there's so many young guys on this team; they've never been through things before. So we'll see how they react to things too. Um, you know, getting into the postseason and the pressure of it all, and you know, never been never been involved in something like this before. So. Some of these guys, I mean, look, look at Louis Robert. He's really struggling a lot out there, you know. So hopefully the veterans on there can kind of uh, get the clubhouse back together and talk to these guys and uh, and get their head screwed on right and ready to go for the, the, the big uh, postseason. Talk to me a little bit about the postseason. I mean, first of all, it's going to be a weird format. And then secondly, I feel like it's a completely different animal, especially for these young guys. Uh, what, what do you see with the White Sox going into the postseason this year? I mean, you got big expectations for them. Is it kind of like, hey, this is all gravy after the last couple of years? What, what are you thinking? For me, definitely gravy. Definitely is gravy. It's, it's great to be there. If they don't, even if they don't get out of the first round for some reason, which certainly can happen. You know, but no matter who they play, even if they don't get out of that first round, it's you know it's just the the playoff experience you know it's, I still think it's all a year ahead of schedule I think everybody's kind of targeting next year as the year you know he wanted to see uh, Dylan Cease get another good year under his belt uh, he still needs you know seasoning in there you know Louis Robert uh, obviously needs you know, a little more time here just to get used to things um, you know now you got Dane Dunning and, and you know so you got a lot of young guys. That could, and that's why I would really like to see Kopech in there pitching this year, just to give him a year of uh, another year of of getting you know the seasoning in and used to things and stuff instead of starting kind of fresh next year. But for most of these guys, it's uh, a great thing for them to to even get this playoff experience and stuff. And, and and all that being said, and you know hopefully they're not just thinking, well, you know, hey, we got here and that's it, we're happy with that. I would think, again, the guys, the, the Grandals and the Abreus and the Keikels, 
are going to be on these guys that hey say hey you know we're not we're not happy and satisfied with just where we're at here at all you know okay well, now we got to take it to the next level so it's up to those guys to really get to these guys uh, their mentality on right for this for this playoff. You know we've talked a lot about the opening series however it's going to shake out and we already know who the top two pitchers are it's whatever combination it looks like it's going to be Giolito one and Keuchel two is what they'll go with but you know anything can happen here the third spot we just keep thinking it's got to be Dane Dunning because at least he's throwing strikes he had a rough last outing but at least he's throwing <laughs> strikes when he's out there Dylan Cease nibbles uh, Ronaldo Lopez drove his manager nuts since the end of last year and has already been sent down and brought back up this year. I mean, you have you have some pitchers that have some issues that they have to work on. Can you talk a little bit about how it gets into a pitcher's head? Did you ever have that problem where you didn't trust your stuff and you're nibbling and you're issuing free passes? Because that seems to be one of the complaints about those other two guys, Lopez and, and Cease especially. Too much nibbling, too much trying to be perfect, and then too many free passes putting guys on. Yeah, and when you're nibbling, you know, and I've had that at times too. No, no doubt, when you're nibbling, you just you don't have the confidence in your stuff that you've got the better stuff to get that guy out, and that's the problem. Where you're afraid to leave the ball too close to over the plate, and so that's why you're trying to nibble, nibble, nibble. And you end up struggling and falling behind the count and walking, guys, and it doesn't do you any good either. So instead of getting hits, giving up hits, you give up the walks. And, you know, and, and, and on the other hand, if you have the mentality, it's all, and so much of it is mental. If you have the mentality that, hey, I've got better stuff, I can beat this guy, I'm going right at it with my stuff. Here it is, you know, there's a challenge, you against me, I'm going with my best stuff right at you a whole different way of, of, of pitching out there. You've you got more confidence, you got you seem like you have better command when you're when you're like that. And you're you're always right there with strike one and and then you're ahead of the count. So again you're not not that you to throw balls down the middle of the plate, but if you have the confidence that I can throw the ball, you know, to this location without just nibbling for the corner, and that's I'm gonna throw it, you know, great stuff for the outside third of the plate or something you're definitely better off that way. And I've had a lot more success when you have that mentality than if you don't. But again, it's easier said than done, too. How do you get over that mental block? I mean, you, you said that you, you've dealt with it before. Does it take somebody looking at you and going, hey, Don, knock it off? Or does it take somebody showing you tape? Does it take you going, well, it's not working nibbling. I might as well just lay it out there and see if they'll hit it. I mean, do, do you, does your infield have to come to you and be like, hey, man, it's okay. We're back here with gloves. Like, how do you how do you break that? Because that's something I think White Sox fans really need to see, especially with Cease. That's, I mean, you don't want to – I'm not going to pick on the guy. He's got great stuff. But that's something I think all White Sox fans saw here in this 60-game schedule yep. is a guy's got incredible stuff but doesn't have the confidence in his stuff. So how does he get that? Right, right. And, and part of it is through having some kind of success. You know, we always talk about what comes first, the chicken or the egg, you know. But if you have any kind of success, you, you can kind of be able to throw more strikes there and have confidence in there if you do have any kind of success, you know, getting a guy out. But also, it comes down to you know, your pitching coach, your fielders, your catcher coming up to you and talking to you and saying, hey, you got great stuff. You know, you got great defense behind you. You know, go after them. If they hit the ball, you got guys behind you that are going to catch it and stuff. But, uh, you know, a lot of it is, is building up from uh, the, the catcher that sees your stuff and, and the people behind you or sees your stuff and have confidence that, hey, you, you, you got enough stuff. 
you know, don't worry about it. Don't worry about nibbling. Your stuff is good enough to get this guy out. Go after him. Did you have ever a catcher or a pitching coach that you knew later, like was completely lying to you? Like, oh, you look great. Just throw it over to because they're trying to get they're trying to get the confidence, and then later you're like, I had nothing. You know, have you ever had that happen to you? Right. Yes. No, I never have. And not not that I, I'm sure it happened. I mean, because the part of it is, yeah, you, you need to tell a guy. You know, even if you don't believe it yourself, you might need to tell him <laughs> something something about it. But uh, I've never found out necessarily that the guy was just, just totally trying to leave me alone. But I'm sure it happens. And, and again, your teammates got to do what they got to do to try to get you over the hump. You had a pretty good career. I mean, you, you were around long enough that at some point you were a veteran. Now, you're a relief pitcher, so you're not sitting in there with the, the veteran guys in the dugout every single day, but you were you were a vet. Did you ever feel like being around the teams that you were around, that there was it ever a point where, I don't know, I mean, there's, there's part of me that wonders what Adam Engel feels like right now because he's killing the ball from both sides of the plate. But because there's a guy that they went out to get in right field, even though that guy's struggling in Nomar Mazzara, it doesn't seem like Engel's getting any more time. So it could be frustrating for a player like Engel that's like, hey, I'm finally performing or not paying very much attention to me. And meanwhile, there might also be people that sit there and say, okay, well, you know, a guy like Edwin Encarnacion, he's got this long track record. How do we pull him out of the lineup, even if he's hitting 162? Like, how does that get weighed in a dugout amongst the players where you might sit there and say, well, yeah, he's kind of earned all this leeway. Where on the other hand, you might sit there and say, but this guy here, he's doing really well. Let's get him into the lineup. Like, do the, do the players ever talk about that, discuss that, think about that when those things are going on? Yeah, yeah, they definitely are talking about it. You know, sitting in the bullpen, you may talk about that, about, you know, what do we, you know, just who should be in the lineup, who should not be in the lineup. It certainly does get get talked about. And like I said, with Encarnacion, he's got a great track record and all, but struggling big time. You know, how, how long do you, do you go with that? Just because a guy's got a great track record doesn't mean he's going to all of a sudden turn around. You know, at some point he might be losing it. You know, and if you're a player like like Adam Angle, I mean, you, you've, you've probably seen before where you've got to bide your time. Uh, sometimes teams are, you know, infatuated with somebody else who they feel like has more talent and they just got to give that guy more time. You know, I, when I got drafted, I was a 23rd round draft pick. I had no bonus money at all to sign. You know, I kind of went through that all the way through the whole minor leagues, uh, my whole minor league career, really, where, you know, the, the team wants to give the, every opportunity to someone who they paid more money for, uh, someone who they think has more talent, a higher draft pick. You know, they want to see these guys, give these guys every chance to succeed, even though if guys are falling on their face and not doing well at all, and then someone like me or somebody else who they don't have much money in is doing really, really good job. You know, you, you basically just have to keep biding your time and, and doing as well as you can, and, and at some point you might get your opportunity, and you just got to keep performing when you get that shot. And, and you know it, so it's not uh, a shocker when you've, you realize that you've got to sit and wait, but uh, you, you know that hopefully at some point you'll get your shot, and then you got to just jump at it then. Yeah, but it sounds like the players are aware. Like the guy, like you can't fool the other teammates, right? I mean, the, the other teammates are kind of sitting there going, hey, so-and-so's you know, working his butt off. They kind of get it. And that's yeah. why I kind of feel like we're going to get to the postseason here. I don't know what the lineups are going to look like when we get to the postseason, but you got to think for the team itself, the guys, the other guys on the field are going to want the guys that are the hottest and ready to go 
because those are the guys you want to see taking yeah. the mound, coming out of the bullpen, and coming out and playing to start the game. You know, at the, at the positions on the field, I would think, right? Yep, no doubt. It should be the most deserving people uh, who give your team the best chance to win at that point, not uh, who's getting paid the most and just sort of stick them out there because they're going to pay the most. <laughs> Once it gets to the postseason, it's you know. There's no looking back, so it should be the guys that just give you the best chance to win at that point for sure. Don, Paul, thanks for joining me. I really appreciate when you jump on and uh, uh, go White Sox. Hopefully they do some damage here in the postseason. Yeah, we hope so. It's going to be exciting to watch anyway. Anytime, Chris. Sox in the Basement listeners have a new Southside hangout to watch every game this postseason. Jack's Place in Chicago Ridge at 7000 West Southwest Highway. Jack's Place is a small, clean sports bar with a flat screen everywhere you look. Plus, their private video gaming room is away from the cheers of those watching the game. And with the cleanest bathrooms in town, they are a great date night spot. And now Jack's Place is teaming up with John Natanik and Country Insurance for teacher appreciation days, union member specials, and police and fire Fridays. Follow them both on Facebook for dates and details. Plus, give John a call now at Country Insurance, 708-289-9935 for your home, auto, or life insurance needs. Plus, a free Dunkin' Donuts gift card given out to you. And all you have to do is text him right now. Use that number, let him quote you, no strings attached, 708-289-9935. Jack's Place in Chicago Ridge and John Natanik at Country Insurance. They have you covered, Sox fans. Sox in the Basement Live, thank you very much for joining us. The phone lines are open if you're on the Podbean app. All you have to do is hit one of the call-in buttons, vent, talk about what Don Paul just said. A lot of interesting stuff there to unpack. Uh, Remember, we also have... Uh, 24-7, 365, we actually have a voicemail that you can call into if you want to talk about anything with socks in the basement. You think about something later, it's cool, don't worry about it, 708-459-8406, 708-459-8406. You don't call that now, though, you hit the guest call-in button, it's one of the little buttons at the top of your app, or you jump in the live chat room and leave your comments, I'm happy to read them for you. We got a call on that voicemail. I wanted to play it. Uh, you know, there's some negativity, but there's also some positivity from some White Sox fans. Before we unpack Don Paul, uh, let's take a listen to this one. Hey guys, this year, absolute bonus. Uh, not expected, especially with a makeshift starting rotation right off the bat. So this is a bonus year. Whether they win, whether they lose, no, no big deal. The future looks bright. But just some observations. Um, Eloy Jimenez pulled out of his slump by going middle out and hitting the ball the opposite way, center field. Same thing has to be true with Luis Robert. Um, just observation, he's pulling off the ball so badly right now and has to start thinking again, middle out. Yoan Moncada is looking like the – and I know you've got the COVID excuse and all this and that, but, man, he's looking like Carl Schwarber from the south side. Put a bunt down and stop hitting into the shift. Um, if he puts a bunt down, he's going to get two hits at least per game, and then praise Jesus, he's going to be carried to the COVID. Uh, another observation, this is probably the saddest one that I can see, is the optioning of Danny Mendick. And I, I know I understand the you know baseball metrics or part of the palm Danny Mendick's, but keeping Yolmer, yeah, I can understand the switch hitting and better than third base, but you absolutely blew your team chemistry right there optioning him. That's my two cents. I hope I'm wrong. I hope the Sox uh, do very well in the playoffs. 
Have a great day, guys. Go White Sox. You know, that last point's really interesting to me. I find it really funny the other night, Yomer Sanchez is on the mound eating up an inning. And here's a guy that you wouldn't even offer arbitration to at the, back in December. You wouldn't even offer arbitration to him. And then you picked him up as like an extra defensive guy. And now all of a sudden, he, he, he's the guy who's still hanging out on the team. And I'm not questioning his defense. He's got good defense. He brings, he brings a little bit of uh, role-playing uh, ability to your team, and that's really all he can possibly be. He's a nice role player. But I do find it funny that Yomer still remains. And I, I liked Mendick. I thought he showed a lot of good things. I, 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 you know, just because the guy had a little bit of a rough patch there, I, I'm surprised that he was sent down. And I, I do get the, the chemistry thing. Chemistry has to mean something. It's always funny that you can go to Sox Fest. With, uh, well, you can't go. You can't go in 2021. They canceled it. And what a great week to cancel it too. Everybody's mad and can't wait to get to Sox Fest and scream at people for the way that this week has gone. And they cancel it. What a bad luck. But <laughs> you know, you go to it and you hear things like, "Well, we want to build good chemistry," but then all of a sudden, chemistry doesn't matter. We we believe our manager makes these decisions, and this is what he, you know, we we trust in his decisions. But you know, I mean, the buck stops with me. You'll hear Ricky say and stuff like that. But now you hear this narrative: ah, managers do they matter that much? You know, it, it you can't have it both ways. I think the smart White Sox fan looks at what's going on this week and still wonders, like, yeah, I know, Nomar Mazara had a nice hit or two this week. Does he really belong in the lineup every day? No, he doesn't belong in the lineup every day. Don Paul touched on something very interesting there when he was just on the program. The fact that players notice those things. Players sit there and go, yeah, I know Edwin is like a, a star, but trust me, there's conversations going on on that team where guys are wondering, why is he up there all the time in big situations? Why is he still in the middle of the lineup hitting 170, leaving guys on base all the time? His, he had an RBI this week because he grounded into an out. It's like the worst RBI you can possibly get. The players notice this thing. So we talk about culture and we talk about how much Ricky means culture-wise. He's clearly not very good strategically. The, the Rodon move proved that the other day when you got men all over the base paths and, and you bring in Carlos Rodon in that position. That was Every White Sox fan in the world was upset about it. Every analyst in the world was upset about it. Steve Stone looked very upset about it when he was talking about it on, on Twitter. He was, he was purposely answering people who kept asking him the question about what was Ricky thinking with very interesting comments, like basically saying, I'd love to tell you, but I don't want to get into trouble. That, that's what it, that's how I took it from that. There was, there was questioning on the radio with our next guest coming up here in moments, Andy Mazur and Darren Jackson. When it was happening on the air, they were questioning what was going on with that move. It's not just one move, but it's becoming a focal point. How, you know, how about we talk about, even though Ricky was tossed from the game, you know managers still get word from back in the clubhouse what they want to do. Why is Jose Ruiz coming up in that? Jose Ruiz doesn't even belong on a professional baseball team. We've been watching Jose Ruiz come out of the bullpen now for a while. We saw him all last year. He is not a Major League Baseball relief pitcher. He's not. He's a triple-A pitcher. I don't think he's ever developing in anything that's any good. He shouldn't be involved in any kind of leverage situation whatsoever. And the fact that he's out there and he's the only one that's warm and he's the only guy you can bring in there, that's on the manager. It's on the manager. The, the, the things that have happened, you took two losses in Cleveland on the manager. Two of them, easily, possibly three. But at least two of those were directly on Ricky Renteria. The, the team is not hitting. I get that. But here's the thing. You gave away the game, the first game of the series against Cincinnati. That's a loss. You gave away two against Cleveland. You gave up three wins. 
put three more wins on this team and take three more losses off. Are you upset? Are you in a better position? Are you getting home field in the first round of the postseason? It matters. Socks in the Basement listeners do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the South Side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota. And one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. Joining me on the phone line right now, the play-by-play man on the radio for the Chicago White Sox all season long, getting ready for postseason baseball, Andy Mazur's on the line. How are you, Andy? I'm doing well. It's been a little crazy this year, but uh, hey, things are working out. And uh, like you said, some playoff baseball is ahead for the White Sox. Yeah, and you know, and we sat down and talked before the season started, and we were like, hey, postseason, that, that's the expectation, that's what you want, that's what the White Sox are doing, although it's been a, it's been a rough week here. For, for the White Sox, you go from like the, the number one seed to you may be the eighth seed when this is all said and done, or the seven. I mean, it, it, and you don't know how this is going to end as the weekend unfolds. But, I mean, what how do you feel this week? Because you, you've been with this team now for the whole 60 games. And, and, and you've seen this, and now it's like a roller coaster where you're taking a dip and you're waiting for the dip to end. Yeah, we're waiting for the dip to end. But, you know, here's the thing. I mean, there's a lot of uh, a lot of guys on this team that have never been in the playoffs. So that, that includes a lot of the coaching staff uh, as well. So, you know, they're kind of feeling their way through this a little bit. And I think they let the air out of the balloon a little bit uh, the day that they clinched against the Minnesota Twins at Guaranteed Great Field because that was the, the, the final game of that series. And then we're going on the road and they we're in Cincinnati. And then, of course, uh, wrapped it up in Cleveland. And, you know, it's been like a... Uh, the perfect storm kind of a thing because they let up just a little bit. And I think they've admitted to that. And then you get thrown into the mix where you're facing Trevor Bauer. uh, And then you're facing the Cleveland Indians, no matter who they throw out there, even Cal Quantrill was, was good against them. So it's, it's one of those kind of things where it's an unfortunate situation that they ran into that buzzsaw. But at the same time, we're still talking about this team going to the playoffs and the way the playoffs are, are, are being run this year, I mean, everybody's playing in the first round. So does it really matter? I mean, uh, if you win the division or not, I mean, I, to me, it's a, it's a great feather in the cap to do it. And it would mean a lot to the franchise and to the, to the city. But at the same time, you're in the playoffs and pretty much anything can happen at this point. I think one of the questions that a lot of Sox fans have watching the team, and maybe you have some insight, or maybe you're just watching it just like us and you're not exactly sure what the thought process is, but I get the idea of trying to get guys going, but it, now you got a 60-game thing and you kind of look at it and you go, okay, well, Adam Engel, defensively, probably better than Mazzara. He's offensively against both sides of the, uh, on both sides of the plate. He's done better so far to this point. Uh, I know everybody's slumping right now, but in the offseason, do you think we're still trying to get guys going, or is it going to be the best nine guys you think are going to get thrown out there, even if they may not have been the normal guys that you saw all the time? Like, is Ricky going to 
Is he going to play the hot hands if he sees somebody this weekend really pick it up? Or if he doesn't see one of the guys that has been struggling, not all of a sudden turn it around the last couple of days. Well, let me, let me back up real quick too, because, you know, you talk about angle and there's Gerard Dyson and, uh, and Sanchez and a couple of guys that really need to get some, some games under their belt because everybody is being counted on in the playoffs because you're going to need a guy to be ready for a key pinch hit, or you're going to need a guy to be ready to go in as a late defensive replacement. And, you know, the more they play toward the end of the season, the more comfortable they're going to be in those particular roles. So, uh, so that's one thing. Now, to answer your question, you know, I, I think really what it comes down to is matchups. Um, there, there are certain guys, especially with Adam Engel and in his case, uh, you know, the point of maybe starting him against the tough lefty would be uh, maybe favorable over starting Nomar Mazzara, who's actually starting to come out of it a little bit here. He's had a couple of big hits over the week. But, um, you know, I, I think that you have to depend on that roster. It's the same kind of situation. You know, you put the, the best 28 going forward and hope that they can contribute in some form or fashion because you're going to need that entire roster at some point because you're going to get into a situation where you're going to need to maybe take Eloy out late in the game. Uh, you're going to need to take Mazzara out defensively late in the game. Um, so you're going to have to get these guys ready to go. And I think it'll be kind of a, a matchup situation. And, and yeah, uh, in the other case, if it's just a, a normal situation, you're going to play the best nine you have. And and the thing is that, and I'm sure you'll agree with me on this, is that right now this is experience because you're going to, you want to go to post seasons now multiple years in a row and you want to learn how to win down the stretch. I think a lesson is probably being learned by a lot of the young guys by what is happening this week, that it's not so easy and you can't, you can't relax for a second because the twins and the Indians never went away, even though you were the first ones that clinched. Uh, do you think it's resonating right now in that dugout that a lesson's been learned here? Well, I think there's lessons constantly being learned here down the stretch. I mean, because, uh, you know, there are some guys that have really stepped up and some guys that have just kind of remained as is. And there's some guys that have regressed just a little bit. But, you know, I think it's not only the players, it's the coaching staff, too. I mean, these guys haven't been through this before either. I mean, there, there's only a handful of guys uh, in that dugout that have been through a playoff experience before. I mean, most notably, you know, Dallas Keuchel has obviously been through this before. And he can kind of speak to that, I think, a little bit better in that dugout in the clubhouse uh, as far as the players go. So, you know, it's been tough to watch, obviously, and you, you want to be going into the postseason playing some of your best baseball, and that's not the case right now. But at the same time, I don't really feel like this is a, a motivational uh, situation where they need to get motivated for the final three games of the year, playing at home against the uh, the Northsiders, who also need these games for uh, potential playoff seating as well. So there's a lot on the line here for the last three games. You come home, you know this is it, you kind of, give it all you got and you, you hope that you're playing some good baseball. So when you start your playoff series on Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever it is, or whoever you're playing, um, you're ready to go. And that's, I think that's the bottom line here as you play the last few games of the regular season is to get this team going one more time, kind of how they were before, get them motivated, get them out there and uh, start playing some good baseball. All right. Before I let you go, I got to ask you about you. Uh, you got you? to, you got to do this season here. <laughs> you got to do it under these weird circumstances. You got to spend all these these games with with DJ next year, and you got to to get kind of. I saw that at one point you had to do a little bit of a facial hair shave because of a bet. I mean, there were a couple different things <laughs> yeah. that you did this season, which were kind of fun. I mean, tell us a little bit about your your first experience as the play by play guy for the White Sox here in the regular season. Yeah, it's been interesting. I'll put it to you that way. I mean, uh, going to the ballpark, uh, the ballpark every game has been interesting. 
especially when there's uh, not a game in front of you. That's been a little bit of a uh, something to kind of get used to, which we really haven't gotten used to yet, I don't think. Because you look out on the field and it's dark and there's a game going on. So it's not obviously at that ballpark. So, yeah, that's been interesting. Um, you know, DJ and I have tried to have a lot of fun. I mean, this team has been fun to watch. I mean, it's 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 kind of a natural tie-in where you you want to enjoy uh, what you're doing here and you want to enjoy the team. And uh, at, at the same time, when there's when things aren't going well, you know, this last couple of weeks or this last week, you know, we try to create our own uh, entertainment. And uh, you know, we get along really well. DJ and I have uh, have gotten along since the first time I met him. Uh, back in 2018 when the uh, the uh, contract went to the radio station. And we talked a lot of baseball before we even got on the air together. We got a lot of people that we know in common from our days in San Diego as well. So, uh, you know, we, we kind of instantly uh, kind of clicked. So in, in that case, I mean, I know that when he's giving me crap, it's crap just for being on the air. And I'm giving it back to him. So we're having a good time with that. And that bet, by the way, almost cost me a relationship. So, uh with the uh, the shaving of the mustache, I mean, my girlfriend's like, "Who are you?" And uh, <laughs> and he knew that because he knows my girlfriend, and I think that might have been the reason that he did it. To be honest with you, but hey, listen, we had a good time. You know, you got to be a good sport about things, uh, even if you don't really want to do it at that point. Uh, I did it for the uh, the sake of the broadcast, and uh, luckily was able to smooth things over with my girlfriend. You know, and, and the thing is, I, I keep wondering, like, when you're on those, when, when it's those days when they're on the road, is it is mm-hmm. it like you the only other guys that you're really seeing and interacting with, besides the production crew, of course, but I mean, is there any interaction between the TV crew? Like, you guys, have you have you, have you messed around with each other at any point? I mean, I, I would imagine you get slap happy during some games while you're the only people that are really doing anything in the ballpark. Yeah, you know, we really haven't messed around. I mean, the, the, you know, everybody's space is kind of, Fill their space because of what's going on with uh, with COVID and everything. No one wants to really, you know, do anything that's going to jeopardize anybody. You know, so we we kind of keep, uh, you know, obviously we say hello to each other as we come into the ballpark. Or they're the first booth that you pass when you come into the uh, to the broadcast wing of the press box. So yeah, of course there's uh, some pleasantries being exchanged, and we'll see them in the hallway and here and there. But you know, for pretty much, you know, we, we kind of keep to our little cocoon in the uh, in the radio booth and. It's been enjoyable. I mean, it's been a very enjoyable experience for me because uh, this is what I love to do. First of all, I really enjoy working with DJ. The uh, the team has made it very easy for us to broadcast as well uh, this year, just by by their play and you know a no hitter during the year, going to the playoffs now. So uh, it's been it's been interesting. It's been fun, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, you know these last three games for sure in the in the regular season. And then, hey, who knows what's going to happen in the playoffs? The, the first first series of three games. You get a couple of hot pitchers going. The White Sox able to set their rotation, perhaps, and uh, well, we'll see what happens. You never know. Back in '05, yeah. it was falling apart. They figured it out. I mean, they did. They did swap a few guys. I remember they brought up uh, Jermaine Dye into the three spot. That made a big difference. But but it, you never know what'll end up happening in the postseason. Andy Mazer, uh, our our play by play guy here for our Chicago White Sox. Thanks for joining me, and I hope you got you did a great job this year, Andy. I, I I'm looking forward to hearing you during the postseason, and I'm looking forward to many more years to come. I think you guys are doing a great job up there. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it, Chris. Thanks very much. And it's really interesting as Andy talks about the fact that the White Sox, well, as I brought it up, actually, I brought it up. I, I mentioned, you know, Azagian mixed up the lineups as we're talking to Andy there at the end. And the lineup popped up on Twitter for today. Now, this is the mix-up that Ricky Renteria is doing with his team just going down the toilet. He elevated Edwin Encarnacion to the four spot. This is, this is getting ridiculous. I mean, the guy's hitting 170. Or is he in the 160s now? 
James McCann hits behind him. I, James McCann is a better hitter than Edwin Encarnacion, right? If you don't believe that, you don't know baseball. James McCann is a better hitter than Edwin Encarnacion. What is the point of having him hit behind Edwin? How does Edwin help anybody hitting in the four spot? Why do we continue to try to get this guy going when you can opt out of his deal in the offseason? Rick Hahn, wake up and start looking at what's going on here. Ricky Renteria told us point blank, Dave and myself, with Hahn standing next to him, that he makes the lineups. If, if that is still holding true, Rick Hahn, wake up and look at this. Because if we got to spend all of 2021 watching the same thing for somebody to figure out this guy just doesn't know what to do when things aren't going good, that he's a paint-by-numbers lineup creator, a paint-by-numbers manager, isn't getting the matchups, if we're going to continue to call this a he-needs-experience thing, I have a problem with it. It, it, it. It's it's absolutely absurd. There was a there was an interesting there were a couple interesting comments in the chat room there. Before we get out of here, I wanted to kind of touch on a few of them before we end the live broadcast. There was a question of who would you want to bring in? Would you want AJ Hinch? Would you want Ozzie Guillen? Would you want Alex Cora? Would you want Alomar Jr.? Well, first of all, I don't want Cora and I don't want Hinch because they're stained by what happened with the Astros and. Their success may have been predicated a little bit by the fact they were flat out cheating. So I don't know that and the fact that it, it doesn't show being a good manager if you can't figure out what's going on in your own dugout the way that Hinch was kind of claiming that he didn't know what was going on. So I no, I don't think that's the kind of guy I want to bring in. I think Steve Stone would be an interesting pick. I don't know if Steve would ever do it, but it's like he knows everything that's coming, which is very interesting. Uh, I, we had the question, why is Dylan C struggling? If you missed earlier on in the show, Don Paul. Basically said lack of confidence, okay, nibbling on the corners. You could see it last night. You could see it in Friday night's game. He was doing very well getting first pitch strike. He gives up his first solid hit, and then he starts nibbling and he starts falling behind. On the home run, he had fallen behind and had to throw three straight strikes. He throws three fastballs at the same portion of the plate because he's got to get it across the plate because he started off down 3-0. He gives up the home run, and then the confidence is even more shot, and the, and, the, uh, and the explosion of runs is on. If you go back and you look at how many free passes he issues, that's what it is. And it's a confidence thing, as Don Paul says. And it was something that I, 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 you notice even more now after you hear a major league pitcher speak. Again, I go back to this. If a, if a first battle Hall of Famer, one of the best hitters I've ever seen in my entire life, is on television yelling about why isn't Luis Robert getting any protection and angry that the team is not responding and questioning the culture inside the clubhouse right now. I listen to him. When, when a former World Series manager with a ring on his finger, and I know his, his son, is they cause all kinds of tr- uh, trouble. The reason he's not here anymore is because he, he picked family over, over the job. That's the fault of a father. I'm a dad. My, my kid can act like an idiot sometimes. I'd probably still be like, ah, you know, he's not that bad of a kid. Okay, but all that aside, smart manager won a World Series for us. If he says there's a problem, I believe him. When Steve Stone is questioning moves, and he is questioning moves in the telecast, you have to pay attention to what he's saying, but he is flat out questioning moves in the telecast, and he's right 99% of the time on when he's questioning those moves. I believe him. I don't really trust those that benefit by the team liking them, and I, I, I get that people fall in love with players and fans fall in love with managers and players and personalities around the team. Heck, they put together these promo packages. They run them to you to make you love their team. They send out a they send out a thing. What is it? Every three months, the White Sox. I get the email, and and the question isn't what do you think of the guy as a player. It's do you think you know him well enough? Do you like him as a person? 
They're, they're marketing personalities at you. I don't care about your personality. I want to win. So, uh, look, looking at this in black and white, looking at stats, looking at moves, doing the eye test, doing the sabermetrics test, it all comes to the same conclusion. This team was hot. This team had trouble. And the team keeps getting worse because the manager can't adjust to what is going on. It falls squarely on his shoulders. And how this goes over this weekend and during this week in the postseason, if it goes completely south, if they can't do anything, if they still look the same when this thing ends midway through the week, as they look right now, and they don't advance, you really seriously have to consider the idea that you have to move on from your manager. And it'll be very interesting to see if that's even an option. We've heard several beat reporters around the team say it's not an option no matter what he does. He's definitely the manager in 2021. Then you get Chris Zwick, who was on the show from Yahoo Sports, saying you got to get rid of this guy. It's obvious. It's clear. So there's so much going on here. It'll be very interesting. In the end, though, I'm going to be glued to the TV until they do something stupid. I remember I, I clicked off after uh, Cease went down 3-0 uh, to Contreras in that, first, in that first home run that he hit. I clicked it off and tossed the remote and went and took the dog for a walk. So I, I'll, be, I'll be watching at the beginning, but it, it, it's okay every once in a while. I'll just be like, this is ridiculous. And that's how it feels. And I, I, I haven't felt that way until this point in the season. But right now, it feels ridiculous. And we're about to go into the postseason. My wife keeps asking, did they get eliminated tonight? Because I'm so angry. And I keep going, no, they didn't get eliminated. They're going to get eliminated, but they didn't get eliminated yet. My thanks to Andy Mazer, play-by-play guy, who jumped down with us. My thanks with Don Paul. Don Paul's a great guy. He jumps on every once in a while, former White Sox relief pitcher. I thought it was very insightful. Another former player. And the former players, I'm telling the former players have no problem calling out this team and insinuating there may be issues with the manager. The former players, listen to them. Because they know, they know what's going on. Those are the guys I'm paying attention to right now. Thanks to Family Waterproofing Solutions, FAMWS.com, the proud sponsors of Socks in the Basement. We will talk to you soon, folks. I hope they do better in these next two games. I hope we come out of this weekend looking better. But no matter what, Dave and I will be with you right smack dab in the middle of the first series of the playoffs, whoever it will be against and wherever it may be. We'll be with you. We will see you very soon. This is Socks in the Basement. Found everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SocksInTheBasement.com. Bye-bye, everybody. Socks in the Basement. Socks in the Basement. Socks in the Basement. Socks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.